You're listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show. G'day, g'day guys. Welcome to the next Checkpoint on Sin. I am your host, Connor Matthews, and today we've got quite a bit of stuff to go through. I've got my impressions of PAX. I got to go there this weekend. Also, the usual stuff, news and releases, alongside some returning stuff, the penthouse and the outhouse. And on this day, obviously last week, we uh, we took a little bit of a detour. We had my, my good mate Daniel come in to talk about WW2K20. We've got some news on that. And yeah, just some fun little stuff all around. But before we get to all that... Just a little bit of housekeeping. So, we're on the social medias. Check out the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash next checkpoint podcast. And the road to Spotify is complete. We are now on Spotify. Go check it out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Omni, all that good stuff. So, fan absolutely tastic. And coming up within the next. I'd say month or so, I've got more friends coming in to talk about top 10 moments in gaming where we nearly crapped ourselves. So that's going to be sort of like our Halloween special almost. And I'll also have a Bubsy review. I'll finally get to that. And also, I guess, my impressions of The Witcher 3 on Switch. I have been playing it. It has been a ton of fun. I'm very much, like very, very much looking forward to talking about it. So yeah, with just all that out of the way, let's carry on. To the news. First up, the Valve burglary. So last month, a man was charged with a number of robberies in 2018, which included breaking into Valve HQ, stealing games, computers, and accessories. The police say he gained access through Valve HQ through a non-functioning stairwell door and was able to steal the games and equipment from the 11th floor. He scooped everything he stole into a large trash can and walked straight out of the building. Now, on top of this, he stole a minigun that Gabe Newell used for a photo shoot in Forbes magazine back in 2011. Now, this is one of the more bizarre stories in that someone got into Valve and just stole a bunch of stuff. Photos online have a bunch of Nintendo Switch Pro controllers. A couple of Nintendo Switch consoles were also stolen. Games and just everything, which was just... It's just insane to me that someone actually managed to get into Valve and just steal stuff. Obviously, the man has been charged and just all that stuff. He's going to get what he deserved, and I hope all the stuff that was stolen, especially the minigun, has actually been returned to Valve. So, yeah, that was a really weird, really weird thing, just sort of out of the blue, considering the amount that he actually took and... He took like a bunch of it down to GameStop and tried to trade it in and got like under $500, which is crazy. Like he stole, yeah, on this, he stole $60,000 worth of games, accessories, and the minigun itself. It's so, in, it's just so insane to me. I just thought it was really funny and just, yeah, kind of crazy, kind of weird, really. In fact, he actually managed to get in and actually have so much time to take everything without being noticed, really. Like, I'm not sure which floors are actually uh, populated with workers. I don't know exactly the date this happened. But, yeah, the fact that he managed to walk into Valve without anyone really noticing or, I guess, not necessarily caring. Because it's just sort of, I don't know, people just, I guess, sort of thought, oh, okay, yep, okay, all good, cool. But yeah, it was really weird, just 
yeah, a bit out of the blue on that one. Now, moving on, we have the WWE 2K20 roster reveal. Now, for me, I was hoping to see sort of um, some out-of-the-blue roster members, something just sort of completely out there. I was hoping it'd be Brother Love, you know, the Brood, Gangrel, and we also predicted Holy Cousins and a bunch of others. If you want to hear our predictions, please go check it out. Episode 7 with my friend Daniel. He'll be back some point soon. And when I looked at the list of wrestlers in the game, it was very disappointing. It's a lot of the same people that are just in the game always, even from the legend side of things. Like, I get that the game is pretty much already full of everyone that they needed to put in. Like, there's, I think, over 200. I could be very wrong on that, but they just keep getting... The roster size just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. And just, it... I don't know, just disappointed me a bit. I want to go through a list of the first-timers. I was actually correct on some of these, so I'm actually pretty happy. But there's also some very interesting omissions from the roster here. So, first up, we've got Humberto Carrillo from 205 Live, who recently got drafted to Monday Night Raw. We have Io Shirai from NXT, Jackson Riker from NXT, Keith Lee from NXT, Mark Andrews from NXT UK, Matt Riddle, Mia Yim, both from NXT, Molly Holly, which one, which was one of my predictions. Hell yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and yeah, she's one of the legends in the game. Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm from NXT UK, two former NXT UK Women's Championships. Trent Seven from Mustache Mountain. And finally, Zelina Vega, who manages Andrade Cian Almas on the main roster. So... A lot of weird omissions from here, and one of them for me when looking at this is that we have only one member of the Forgotten Sons, and that being Jackson Riker. There is no Steve Cutler, there is no Wesley Blake, which was really sort of out of the blue since they are a group. I don't know, just maybe Jackson Riker's just in, in the good books with 2K, who knows, but... Yeah, just really weird omission from there. Uh, Humberto Carrillo was a very interesting uh, surprise, I guess, because he's not really... You know, I haven't watched 205 Live for a long time, and pretty much the show's dead at this point, but I haven't seen him compete. I haven't seen much of him, nor do you hear much buzz about him, but he's in a game for the first time. I think that's pretty cool. Io Shirai was a shocking omission from last year's game. Happy to see that she's in this one. Hopefully they have the heel Io Shirai instead of babyface Io Shirai. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Keith Lee, that's another really cool uh, addition to the game. I was hoping to see Dominic Dijakovic, who is an interesting omission since he's like a regular on the NXT roster and it feels like every three weeks he's wrestling Keith Lee for some reason. So yeah, bit of an odd one in that part. Bit of an odd omission not having Dijakovic. Matt Riddle, former UFC fighter, now turned WWE wrestler. Fantastic. You know, he should have been in last year's game. I don't I don't remember if he was, but he's in this year's one, so big old thumbs up from me on that one. Mia Yim, who's fantastic, tremendous wrestler, definitely deserves being in the game this year. Molly Holly was an awesome one. I'm so happy that she got in the game finally. She got her recognition. This was one of the picks where I'm like, okay, yeah, we definitely need this person in the game because she is not only in the good books of WWE, it adds another female member of the roster in the game. So that's awesome. Love it. 
love it every single day of the week. Yes, go Molly Holly. Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm, that was a no-brainer. Those were the two NXT UK female talents that you had to have in the game. There was really no other, or not that there wasn't any other options, but if you had to, say, have a limited amount, those are the two that you could go with. And it's really funny because they're both from NXT UK and they're both Australian. Go Aussies. We're, we're, we're doing good here. Finally, Trent Seven and Zelina Vega. Two omissions from last year's game. I'm like, really? Huh? No, no Trent Seven? Can't even do Mustache Mountain with Tyler Bate? Can't even do that. And Zelina Vega is kind of an obvious one. I think she's more of a playable character now. I'm not sure if she was in, she was playable in the last year's game. So her first playable appearance. Obviously, yeah, I think I missed Mark Andrews there on Mandrews, uh, former NXT UK tag, tag Team Champions. He's been around for quite a while in the... WWE space, so I'm I'm cool with that. I'm I'm quite happy to see that he's in the game. You know, he uh, he was a shocking omission from last year's game because he had been on 205 Live numerous times. He'd been on NXT numerous times, and obviously a mainstay in NXT UK. So overall, it's it's a little bit disappointing. I will definitely say that. I'm not too sure who the DLC characters will be. Obviously, I think they, they may have like the, the Rising Stars pack or the Titans pack or I don't know, maybe like an NXT UK kind of pack. So who knows? I do hope that we get to see um, more people being added in over time and just, I guess, talk about W2K20 as a whole. I'm not too sure how this one will go simply because I have a feeling there's been a few development troubles. Maybe just because the, I guess, WWE is constantly changing. They just had the deal with Fox, and that's created new sets and, I guess, new additions to the roster. (laughs) And just, it's really, I guess, kind of thrown 2K off. And this year's edition, I don't think, will be as feature complete. The Creator Championship mode, which has been a staple in the series since, like, SmackDown vs. Raw 2005, won't be given... It won't be in the initial game, but later on in a further patch. So that's that's kind of annoying, really. It's kind of a disappointment. And I guess we can probably talk about another disappointing bit of news. Doom Eternal was delayed. So a lengthy post from the Doom Twitter page announced that the game will be uh, delayed till March 20th, 2020. So on the same day as Animal Crossing, you have the choice of hey, do I want to play a really chill game where I can create my own island and do do my own things at my own time, super relaxing, super chill? Or do you want to play a game where you're slaughter, slaughtering demons and just <laughs> in having a not-so-chill time with some really good heavy metal music? So that's your options here. Two really solid options, by the way. Yeah, so it's a little bit disappointing. The Switch port of Doom Eternal has been delayed even further. No release date has been announced for that. To make it up for fans, Doom 64 will be free DLC for the PS4, Xbox, and PC versions of Doom Eternal. Switch is still getting Doom 64 on the 22nd of November. Bit disappointing on that front. I... Uh, I'm a big fan of Doom, and I'm just hoping that it's more so to avoid crunch, to let your employees really have the time to work on the game, really make it a fully 
finished product. So yeah, I'm hoping that it all comes together really well. I do believe the game will be of high quality when we get to PAX Chat, which is coming up very soon. I will go into detail about uh, my time with Doom Eternal since I actually got a chance to play the game. So yeah, a bit disappointing. I do hope that everything turns out okay. It's a little bit of a bummer, but hey, the game will be perfectly fine, I reckon. In the final section of the news, how far Silent Hill has fallen. God damn. Have a fantastic franchise by Hideo Kojima. Have it just be the pinnacle of survival horror and psychological horror, and it is now reduced to a god damn slot machine and oh boy everyone is just having a very happy time so on tuesday ahead of next week's global gaming expo in las vegas it's part of a new video slot cabinet that features a 49 inch 4k ultra hd display that new cabinet will launch with multiple silent hill themed games silent hill return based on silent hill 3 and silent hill escaped based on silent hill downpour dual series launch themes leverage thrilling scenes sounds and characters from konami's recognized entertainment legacy now that was a quote from konami itself and what the hell man you turn silent hill from one of the greatest survival horror franchises that could have made a potentially fantastic comeback with P.T. and Silent Hills with Norman frickin' Reedus, and you turn it into a gambling machine, like they've already done it with Pachinko. A lot of their franchises have been going through this crap. Metal Gear Solid, probably Castlevania, I don't know. And obviously Silent Hill has just become the latest victim in Konami's purge of great games. Recently, Konami released Contra Rogue Core to very disappointing and negative reviews. Now, Konami has not made many games since maybe 2017. Most notably, you had Super Bomberman R, which, yeah, that's fine. It's a Bomberman game for the Switch. It's fun for multiplayer, and that's really it. You have Metal Gear Survive, which was a big old pile of poop. It was terrible, and what a slap in the face to everything Kojima worked on. And then finally, you have the final big slap in the face to the developers of Silent Hill and, the, and just the legacy of it by turning it into a slot machine. It's just frustrating that we're seeing great games with such legacy and such passion now being reduced to a gambling machine. Now, obviously, I think these days, really, Konami makes a majority of its money by gambling, really, by gambling machines, because they're not really much of a full-on video games company, in quotation marks. They've really just turned into a slot, like a slot machine cabinet creator. And it has the licenses, it has the franchises that can really sort of bring attention to it and this has this has and it's just frustrating man like what the hell is konami doing they sit kind of like nintendo but in a very different sense they sit on a gold mine here they truly sit on a gold mine where they have the opportunity to make something great yet they continually bugger it up and this really is just another example of it it's frustrating. I 
I hope we get another Silent Hill game just for the series, but given the fact that we, you have Kojima's, I guess, ba- like, like child, his baby, like Metal Gear Solid, just sort of go to waste for a survival game, which charged you to have an extra save slot. Like an extra save slot cost you... It cost you $10, roughly. I don't know what it is in Australia, but it was like $10 US. But it's just ridiculous that we have amazing franchises go to waste. And for me, it's disappointing, considering that I am slowly going through the original Silent Hill and having a fantastic time with it. It's one of those games that I've never... Like, even within the first little bit, I was so immersed in this game. And I'm going to continue to be immersed in this game. And it's a shame that such a legacy will be, I guess, practically ruined by gambling and good old Las Vegas. So, that's my rant out of the way. Whew. Oh, I just need to take a minute. We're going to move on to something just a bit more fun, really. Good old PAX. So PAX happened last weekend. I was... I originally wasn't going to go. I didn't really have much interest, really, I guess. I guess maybe not from a lack of interest, because this was through Player One. I wanted to give uh, the other guys just more of an opportunity to go, because, you know, they'd been there longer than me. I was, you know, let them have first pickings, almost. And on Friday, I believe, I was asked to come on Sunday. Why not? Let's let's have some fun with this. And I will say my overall experience of PAX was fantastic. I had an absolute blast. And I was only there for about two to two and a half hours because I had to go and do Art Smitten, which I also talked about PAX on that show. And it was just sort of, I don't know, it was it was such a fun experience that I kind of wish that I could stay for longer. And I was kind of bummed out that it was the last day. And I within that two and a half hours, I tried to do as much as I can. When I got there, we, uh, we went straight to the Doom booth. Doom Eternal had a demo there and we booked our session for 11.30 on the Sunday. So I was pretty psyched about that. Me and Stefan Bradley, who's been a guest on this show and is the executive producer for Player One, we checked out the Switch Lite, which we also did a Facebook Live of on the Player One Facebook page. I guess my overall impressions of the Switch Lite was just, holy cow, this is one of the most comfortable handhelds I've ever, ever held, really. (laughs) It's just pretty crazy. It was very comfortable in my hands. All the buttons felt really nice. The triggers, geez, the triggers felt like heaven. I've gone into massive detail. Oh, yeah, I've tried to go into as much detail as I can on the other two shows, so I won't go crazy about the Switch Lite today. All I will say is that it is a fantastic piece of tech. I do recommend it. I it's 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 made me uh, contemplate getting one. I'd get one in turquoise though, because that's a, it looked really nice. It looked really nice and just played really well. We I got to play Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, a game that I spent maybe about ten minutes on but a game that I could recommend to anyone because it felt like a Donkey Kong Country game. And that was its obvious inspiration for this this iteration of the ukulele series. We also checked up on some indie games, some local talent. Blood Metal, which was an 80s-inspired first-person shooter from the developer Blood Metal. So like a nice self-titled album. They were really cool. We got to have a small little gameplay demo and chatting to them. Very local and really... Two guys that are just passionate about gaming and want to create a work of art. 
and this is a young developer that really they've spent a year and a half on this game with another year left they had no programming experience whatsoever which was just insane to me a lot of their experience has come from watching youtube videos which is which is also pretty crazy within itself but man good on them they did a you know from what i played yes it was a little bit buggy and for me Mouse and keyboard is not my, I guess, preferred way of playing. I'll get a bit more into that as we go into the Doom Eternal uh, impressions. But yeah, they were really nice, really chatty, and just really wanted to get, just to really show off their efforts for everything they've done so far. And yeah, once again, kudos to them for doing a fantastic job of getting two packs and really uh, just showing off their game for the world and really getting good feedback from everyone there. Next up, 22nd second, tw- <laughs> 22nd Racing League. Well, I butchered that one. Uh, this is like a fast RMX slash Wipeout clone. Very, um, very fast paced. Very, very good. I, I quite like the intense speeds you could get up to and the different ways of boosting and the jump control. Or the, I guess, the, the controls doing tricky tricks. So that was a fun little game. There's really not much to say on it. Well, they they interviewed us about our impressions of the game and just how much fun we had with it. It was it was actually a pretty fun little game. Spent about ten minutes on it, but yeah, good stuff, good stuff all around. Next up was Kana Quest, which is a a lo- like kind of like a puzzle game that also teaches you Japanese, which is really sort of a it's a concept that's like, huh, like really? It it actually. It teaches you Japanese, and yes, it actually kind of does. It's a fun little game to spend 10 minutes on, and really, it it looks like a game that's truly... I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but it feels like the game is made with a lot of love. And I know know for a lot of games, it's made out of love, but this, it definitely felt like it. We talked to the programmer and someone involved with the game, and they were really cool about their inspirations for the game and really what their motivation was behind the game, not only to create an educational experience, but also to create a fun little puzzle game. The main event of PAX for me was Doom Eternal, a small demo, and... For me, Doom Eternal, obviously, yes, I spoke about um, Doom Eternal was delayed. And for me, this was my opportunity. I think the delay really caused, like, a lot of people wanted to play this game when me and Stefan got there. We bolted over to the Doom booth, and it was already getting pretty packed. And we, we tried the game. We had about half an hour. And no, like no phones, no cameras, no video, no nothing. So really, I'm going to talk about it from not only what I remember, but also stuff that I've noted. The overall experience was fantastic. This felt like Doom, but more refined in every single way. The gunplay felt satisfying. The guns had a nice crunch to them. We got a, a good accent, like a good amount of guns to start off with. The shotgun, super shotgun, uh, rocket launcher, plasma rifle, I think the gorse cannon, and grenades, and all that fun stuff. Got to try out some new elements of the game in the tutorial of the demo, which you could shoot arm cannons off enemies, uh, platforming, wall climbing is another new thing. This is almost like a, f- it's almost like playing Tomb Raider, but in first person, but not as realistic in a sense. The main struggle for me wasn't the game itself, but my inability to play with mouse and keyboard because Doom Eternal was the first time 
I've ever properly used mouse and keyboard whilst playing a game, which was really weird for me at first. I, Once again, never played with mouse and keyboard, really was sort of thrown off by it. But it was a lot of fun sort of getting used to it. Having to use my pinky in a game was really weird. I've never had to, like, map out my fingers to certain buttons just to, like, play it. <laughs> I remember, like, when you go up, when you do the wall climb in the tutorial, you look over to the left to a ledge and you have to jump with spacebar, shift, shift again, and press E to attach yourself to the wall to climb up. And for me, that I was stuck on that for about five minutes because I really struggled with just trying to get it right. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was re it was really cool. It was really silly, but I had a lot of fun. It's just crazy. But once we got into the gameplay, it was truly where it shined. It felt like Doom in every single way. And that is not a bad thing at all. Anything that comes, like anything that not only replicates Doom 2016, but also makes it better in its own little way was awesome. The platforming, though, yes, a little bit tricky with mouse and keyboard for me was still fun. I didn't get to use the grappling hook, but I got to sort of get a feel for each one of the guns and also get a wide variety of demons to slaughter because there was a lot of killing in this game. A big old, and I'll start off with a big old content warning here. This is a big one right here. So if, you know, if you've got kids, you're listening on the drive home or anything like that, got kids in the car, well, just kick them out. They'll be right. So in Doom, you have glory kills, which are sort of quick little snaps, basically unique ways to kill a demon. During 2016, you had stuff like just snapping their arms and kneeing them in the face of their head just basically came off. And in Doom Eternal, the one, the one glory kill that really stood out was with, I believe, uh, the Imp Demon. You snapped its arm to where the bone's exposed and jab it in their eye. In my head, and I'm just going, holy crap. That is insane. Like, this is gory as hell. And that's one thing the Doom franchise, especially after Doom 2016, really pride itself on. And this was just awesome. It was a, it was really cool just to sort of feel like an unstoppable badass, which is what Doom sort of makes you feel with its fast and frantic gameplay, its fun gunplay, and just everything else was such a cool experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I really, really enjoyed the demo we got of this game. I would highly recommend it. Obviously, yes, I've said it numerous times before and repeated myself numerous times before, the game was delayed. But with what I played and the amount I got to experience, I believe that this game will be amazing. I think this will be a very finished and very polished product. If they had just released the level that I played, I would have loved this game. I do believe that, yeah, this game will sell well. It'll be a fantastic experience. And I will be picking this up day one. I would love to get it on the Switch because the Switch is my main console. The PS4 plays the role of professional dust collector now. My PS3 gets more love than my PS4 because I can play PS1 games on the PS3 whilst using a PS4 controller. That's a weird sentence and a weird combination of past and current consoles to use at the same time. So yeah, great, great stuff. Overall impressions of PAX, I loved it. I got to check out some uh, retro games actually. I got to go to the retro game area and play a little bit of Donkey Kong and for the first time 
in my entire gaming life hold an NES controller. Now, I had never held one before. I've played NES games through Nintendo Switch Online, and it was awesome, man. Like, I love it. The buttons felt nice and clicky. It just... It was so such a weird experience holding an NES controller for the first time and really having fun with it. The NES Online, ah, uh, I've played... Who, who wants to play Mighty Bomb Jack? Or bloody... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Yoshi's Cookie? I don't know. I had fun playing Donkey Kong. It could have... It could have been that I was with Stefan. We were just, you know, throwing shade back and forth and stuff like that. So, yeah, that probably enhanced my experience a lot more. But being able to hold an NES controller for the first time was really cool. Also got to play on the, uh, uh, like, a Sega Master System clone that sold really well in Brazil and is actually not match but has come close to PS4 sales there which is pretty funny to sort of read that on the the information cards that they had for each console and just sort of looking around was fun just seeing all the different games and all the different cosplay that people were wearing it was really cool and for me I could not recommend PAX enough to anyone. It's just a fun experience all around, and I'm so happy that I actually finally got to experience my first gaming convention, which was really, really cool, and just so much fun. I hopefully will be going again next year. I certainly hope so. Now we're going to change gears here and move on to some releases. I will not be doing rapid fire, because frankly, I will just fall asleep afterwards, so... Yeah, nah, no rapid fire today. So, coming on October 16th, Overwatch, or today, Overwatch is now available on Switch. Now, I am definitely interested in picking this one up. I'm excited about it because I've never played Overwatch. I don't own a PC. I don't have the subscription services for any other console but the Switch. So this will be a fun little experience. And if you do get the Legendary Edition, you do get three months of Nintendo Switch Online. But my only complaint about this is that the physical cartridge... There is no physical cartridge. It is just a download code, which is really frustrating because I'm a, I'm a physical collector. I love getting games physically more so than digitally simply because it's like having... It's like... It's my own copy now. It is my own game. So, yeah. Overwatch on Switch. Looking forward to it. Looking to like looking forward to eventually playing it. So, that's going to be fun. Also coming out today, Little Town Hero coming to the Switch. This was the game that was once titled as Town. Trailers were shown at Nintendo Directs. And just, yeah, it's a JRPG, so not really my kind of thing. We also have on October 17th, Kine coming to PC, PS4, Xbox, and Switch. On October 17th, we have Demon Pit coming to PC. October 17th, Stranded Sales Explorers coming to PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox. October 17th, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes Complete Edition coming to PC and PS4. I do own this game on the Switch. It's a pretty good little game. I have zero issues with it. And that's about it. Can't really comment too much on it. Driven Out coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox on October 18th. Return of the Oberdin, a very popular indie game that's been on PC, coming to PS4, Switch, and Xbox. October 18th as well. Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox. So... This is kind of the, the weird side series that has come out of the Plants vs. Zombies 
lore almost. It's it's a third person multiplayer shooter, which in concept, in the plants versus zombies sort of I guess style, because the game started as just a strategy game and now or tower defense almost, and now that you've got a third person shooter, it's the third one in the series actually. It's kind of interesting to kind of see it. So, yeah. It's EA, so probably full of good old Michael transactions. He'll be hanging around there. And, yeah, that's pretty much it for October 18th. It's Oh, actually, no. Sorry, I was wrong on that. Ring Fit Adventure, Nintendo's new weird peripheral. That'll be coming out on October 18th for the Switch. So this was the weird circle thing that people were using and using it physically, almost like a Wii Fit kind of thing. So I might get it, I'm not too sure. It's got like a, kind of like a ring thing that you can use for like multiple purposes and also like a leg strap that you can use for different motions. You just plug in the Joy-Cons there. And like, I do hope the game does well. Nintendo are really good at sort of going outside the box. So, you know, we've had Nintendo Labo, which was never not funny. Just seeing people make stuff out of cardboard was really cool. I actually really like Labo, just the whole concept. I've personally never used it. I hope to use it one day. And I think the whole fun in that is literally the construction of the Labo systems. This is sort of another pillar in their sort of weird idea spectrum. So I do hope it really does well for them. October 22nd, Tangle Tower coming to PC and Switch. Finally, the aforementioned WWE 2K20 coming to PC, PS4 and Xbox. I am concerned that this game may not be as good as the previous uh, the previous game. Hopefully it does well and who knows, eventually we might see another WWE game come to the Switch. I doubt it because 2K18 was a bit of a mess on that system. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Now we're going to move on to On This Day in Gaming. So I look through and find out what happened on this day in gaming and pick one particular event. And this one in the theme of Konami ruining franchises, we have Silent Hill Memories being released on the PlayStation Vita. Silent Hill Memories, I don't know nothing about it. It seems like a pretty average game during the sort of downhill section of Silent Hill. I think this released in 2012 where it was kind of like the year of Silent Hill where you had the HD collections come out for the PS3. You had, I think, Shattered Memories. I think that was one of the names for him. So, yeah, this was just not a great game from what I've seen. It got a 60 on Metacritic. So, eh, it has its moments, but maybe not a... Maybe it's worth it when there's a price drop. But in the case of the uh, PlayStation Vita, there really isn't many games out there at all. Like, really, there really isn't all that much. The Vita sort of fell flat on its face, not, like, from its own fault, mainly because Sony just didn't support the thing after launch, really. You got, like, PS1 classics, you got retro games you could play on it, and sometimes you may get a first-party title like Uncharted Golden Abyss. You know, Katamari... De- well, not... No, Katamari Damacy's not a first-party game, I don't think. But, you know, Loco Roco, that's a really fun game that, you know, should be played on a Vita. I think it definitely works well on the handheld. I remember playing that on the PSP. Really, the Vita didn't have much. Sly Cooper, yeah, cool. And really, 
it's just such a bummer that the Vita didn't get much love. It's a shame at this point Silent Hill wasn't really a series that I guess it was sort of on the downswing really. You didn't really hear much about or maybe you heard stuff about it but the stuff that was coming out really wasn't of quality that you would expect. Obviously the PT demo was fantastic. I def I am not touching that thing with a 10-foot pole because frankly I will be scared out of my pants and never want to go back to games again. And I nearly got that experience with Subnautica. So no thank you. I will pass on that. <laughs> and that is what happened on gaming on this day. And finally, the return of the penthouse or the outhouse. And today we're going to look at a childhood memory of mine. Now, let me ask you something. Did you ever have one of those games that when you were younger, you loved more than anything else in the world. It was your game. No matter what anyone said, you loved it. And it brought back so many great memories of your childhood. And as you got older, maybe you hadn't touched the game in a while. Maybe you just haven't played it in a while. You know, maybe it's sort of been lost to time. Maybe you just don't have a copy. And somehow, somewhere, you find a copy of that game and you remember the little things, but maybe it's not the game that you thought it once was when you were younger. And for me, to an extent, that was Crash Bash on the PlayStation 1. So Crash Bash was the first Crash game not made by Naughty Dog. This was done by Eurocom, published by, I believe, Universal. The story's really weird because it's like you have Aku Aku and Uka Uka basically bickering like little children. No, we will not fight, but we will let others fight for us in games. So they had characters like Crash, Coco. I can name the entire roster. You have Crash, Coco, Brio, Cortex, Dingo Dial, Koala Kong, and of course, everyone's favorite Crash Bandicoot character, Rilla Roo his only game appearance to date and thank god for that so essentially they come into this little sort of arena thing and essentially it's it's six on two aku aku decides to really sort of even things out so he basically steals tiny tiger and dingo dial and just plops them on their team so yeah dingo dial and tiny are apparently good guys now great stuff to start off with and this is not a complete mario party clone because there is no board there is no sort of random mini games that you can play instead you have free play multiplayer and sort of like an adventure mode similar to ctr where you have like sort of a has sort of a hub world similar to the original three crash games and each platform has a different mini-game. I can name the four that you start off with, because I've never beaten this game, because this is a slog to get through. And I mean this is a truly, truly slog. Like, this is a sluggish game to get through, because it repeats so much. So the first sort of mini-game you have is basically throwing concrete boxes at each other to chip away at one's health. The second mini-game is probably the best one, in that it's sort of like a physics-based game where you are all riding on polar bears, like Polar, the small polar bear. It's really weird because you've got Tiny Tiger who's massive, 
and a polar bear that's about the size of my foot. So yeah, that really works out. And you got to try and knock each other off and using using the momentum of not only the stage, but also your character to knock them off. So that's kind of a fun little game to play. You also have different elements later on, like bombs and, I guess, power-ups and power-downs and instant death stuff. Next up, you have kind of like a four-player Pong which it's exactly what it is for player Pong. But as you go further into the game, you have different elements. Like you can uh, have like the Pong ball sort of stick to your thing and then release them at your own volition. And also randomized sort of things that you can do or more so the computer does. And then finally, you have probably the worst minigame of the lot, the Pogo minigame, which basically tasks you with covering as much as the board, much of the board as you can whilst trying to get boxes to maximize your score. It's really stupid. It's really not a good minigame, considering how long it can go for. It really it really isn't all that good, and considering you have to win three times in each minigame to progress. So the adventure mode is pretty much that. You can choose whichever character you want, which is kind of nice in that you get to play as some of the bad guys, for example. If you ever want to play a, gra- a crash game or a crash story mode as Cortex, granted you can do that in CTR, but if you want to do it in Crash Bash, you can do that. And just, it's it's weird because I do have very fond memories of this game because a lot of the modes, besides the Pogo one, are actually good. They're all right. They're not terrible. The Pong minigame is probably the... It's fun with multiple people. The momentum-based one on the small platform of ice, that's also quite good. And the box one also brings back the original soundtrack, which the opening title sequence of this game does use the Crash 3 opening song in a different way. And just, I guess, the best thing. It's weird to say, but my favorite thing about this game was the loading screen. So it had like a nice little tune to it, which I highly recommend. Go on like YouTube or find it somewhere and just listen to it. And it's such a such a cool little loading screen that always gets you moving. Gets like it gets like a little head bob here and there from that. So that's kind of cool. Like that's kind of cool. I quite like the the loading screen song. So that's the first time you'll ever hear me say that I like a loading screen more than the game itself, simply because the loading screen, for some reason, just brings back more positive memories of such. So overall, yeah, the, the game's serviceable. It's a lot more fun with more people because playing through the single player on this alone is a slog to get through because after each thing, you get a trophy, which is pretty normal. And then as you progress further, you are going to need to replay the same stages, but just with different elements. So maybe less time or the or you start with half health, like that kind of thing. And it really can get quite frustrating trying to 100% this game. And the boss fights that I played personally well, maybe not good. Like, Papu Papu is Papu Papu and is a bit of a joke unless he's in CTR. The polar bear wanting to get his revenge because now he's somehow giant within a submarine firing missiles at you. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting take on the polar bear. And finally, the one I got to play is you're in a tank and you take down Komodo Joe and Komodo Mo, which are now in CTR, by the way, Komodo Mo, in the uh, Halloween Grand Prix. So go check that out if you've been playing CTR. It really isn't a great story mode to go through because you are going to get 
bored, essentially. Like, just bored. Here's the thing. I love this game so much, but it is the most mediocre game that I've ever loved. So I'm really sort of stuck here with an interesting predicament of how to sort of, I guess, deciding on whether this game belongs in the penthouse or the outhouse. Now, there are positives to this game. Rillaroo isn't one of them. Rillaroo can go bugger off down back to where he ever came from. Go back to Eurocom, Rillaroo, because you don't belong in this game. I hope he doesn't come back in CTR, but I have a feeling he probably will. So, yeah. I guess for Rillaroo alone is sort of that big damning negative, but there are positives. The soundtrack is nice. Nice little redubs of the original three game soundtracks. You know, it is a fun game with multiplayer, and I think that's how it shines. You know, get the the boomerang accessory known as the multi-tap, and I think you're going to have fun with this game, and that's where I had a lot of fun. Obviously, the loading screen soundtrack is the big plus for me. It's a tough middle, but I don't want a middle. I have to I have to decide by my own rules whether this game belongs in the penthouse or the outhouse. So, Crash Bash, you can go into the penthouse, but barely. And please behave yourself, because otherwise you will be sent to the outhouse. So you will be allowed into this penthouse, this lovely penthouse, with lots of fine art and lots of refined taste. Do not squander this opportunity, crash and bash them. Alright, that, <laughs> with that out of the way, that is going to do it for episode 8 of the next Checkpoint. Please check us out on the social medias on Facebook, on facebook.com forward slash Next Checkpoint Podcast. We're also on other podcasting platforms, Omni, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. So, yeah. That's, that's episode eight done. I hope to see you guys soon. And next episode, we are going to have a very lovely Halloween special. The top 10 times we've nearly crapped ourselves in games. So hope you all have a fun week. Hope you enjoy your games and just have a good one overall. See you guys. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye.